Design Tribe, what is up? I hope you are doing okay and are staying safe um, during this global pandemic. Um, it's really, really crazy, but um, I hope you're keeping your spirits up and washing your hands and being able to FaceTime with family and having Zoom parties uh, is <laughs> definitely getting me through, so I hope it's getting you through as well. Um, but I have a really special episode for you today. Um, today I'm talking with Jen Lazan. And uh, we kind of met over the over YouTube and I watched her YouTube videos, she watched mine and we kind of became online friends. And she was asking me kind of about teaching on Skillshare and teaching on your own platform or creating your own kind of signature course that would be a little bit longer than your typical Skillshare class. Your typical Skillshare class is about 30 minutes to an hour, whereas a signature course is, you know, maybe going to be like 10 hours of coursework. And so, and it's a higher price point as well. And she was kind of wondering, you know, if I used Teachable or Thinkific or a site like that, and I actually don't. So I have a free workaround that I wanted to explain to her. So in this episode, you're going to hear all about that, how we uh, kind of diversify our income streams as artists and how we sort of market our classes online and kind of what the pros and cons are of teaching Skillshare classes versus having your own signature class. So I hope you love this episode. Make sure to um, subscribe to the podcast and leave me a review on iTunes. I would love you so much forever and ever and ever if you did that. All right, guys, let's jump in. What's up everyone and welcome back to my YouTube channel, Design Tribe. I love you and I think you're gonna really love this video. So in this video, we talk about how to diversify your income stream as an artist, especially when it comes to creating online courses. So I talked with my friend and designer colleague, Jen Lezant on an Instagram live video, and I'm gonna share that with you guys here. Um, you can also head over to the Design Tribe podcast to listen to the audio version of this episode. Um, but basically, we're talking about the pros and cons of teaching on a site like Skillshare versus having your own signature course, and whether you should upload your course and host your course on a site like Teachable or Thinkific or if there is a better way to do it, which and in my opinion there is and I do it a little bit differently. So be sure to tune into this video. Give me a thumbs up if you like the video and you're getting value out of it and make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel here and all right, that's enough of the intro. Let's dive in. Hi everyone, I hope you're hanging in there uh, with this whole lockdown situation, but I wanted to get on Instagram live and talk to my friend Jen, who is a designer colleague, um, sort of about creating online courses. And so if um, even if you're not a designer, this live could apply to you if you are interested in maybe making some passive income or sort of diversifying your income streams a little bit. Um, and you know, just creating online courses is one way to do that. So I'm just gonna wait for Jen to uh, join and, um, and we'll kind of get into the discussion. So I teach a few uh, classes on Skillshare, kind of related to designers, but also a little bit on the marketing side. Like I have a, 
a Skillshare class on how to start a YouTube channel. Um, so even if you're not a designer, you could totally check that out, but it's also great if you are a designer and kind of wanted to create an art channel. And so, yeah, so Jen was just, and I were just emailing back and forth a little bit ago, and she had some questions about how to kind of become a Skillshare teacher or um, how to kind of work that into a YouTube strategy, as well as, you know, if you were going to sell courses off of Skillshare's platform, how would you do that? Because there are sites like Teachable and Thinkific, but, um, some of those sites do charge a monthly fee or it gets kind of expensive. And so, um, okay, so Jen is about to join us. I'm just gonna add her real quick. Hey, Jen, how are you? Feeling good, how are you? Good, good, good. So I was just kind of explaining to everyone um, how we were emailing back and forth and how it's awesome to be able to diversify your income streams with online courses. Um, and we both teach on Skillshare, but um, it's also good to have sort of a, a bigger like signature course um, off of Skillshare. Skillshare is great for kind of individual classes that may be like 45 minutes to an hour or 30 minutes to an hour. But um, if you're gonna have a really like jumbo, like signature course, um, that's kind of hard to do on a site like Skillshare. And there are sites like Teachable and Thinkific that a lot of people use, and I think that they do well with those um, with those sites. But for someone who is a designer like you or me, um, we don't necessarily need a platform like that, especially if we are kind of used to managing our own website. And uh, for example, I use Squarespace. What website do you use, Jen? Um, I use Wix. And okay. similar to Squarespace, um, I haven't explored like the back end. I'm able to like upload files and I think there's a limit um, based on the premium one that I have, but I could increase that. Um, so I kind of have an idea of what you're, what you're thinking in terms of that workaround. Yeah. Um, I just want to see if like, if, if it makes sense, um, especially because like you said, like I, I built the website, I know how the back end works. I can pull in videos, I can probably create a data um, background that would, you know, require like a passcode um, to access this, like the class on the site. Um, I just wasn't sure if other people were doing it that way or if I was creating more work for myself. But I totally agree with you in terms of what's going on with Teachable. I was looking at it, but then like that price point, I was like, oh, can I like, can I manage that? Does that make sense? I'm still growing my email list. You know, it's only a few hundred people how you know does it make sense to pay that versus um doing something like what i'm thinking you might be thinking yeah yeah you probably are like caught on to exactly what i'm doing um, <laughs> because i think especially for artists it, it's hard you know we're not exactly um you know making tons and tons of money especially at first and you're doing a lot of freelance work and i'm doing licensing and sometimes it takes a while to kind of build up those revenue streams um, in a site like Teachable, yeah, that, that could work for someone, um, maybe like Melissa Griffin, if you're familiar with her, who's, yeah, yeah. you know, teaching a Pinterest course that can apply to like literally anyone who's doing online business. But for us, we're, we have a little bit more of a specific niche and, um, yeah, I don't know. I, to me, if Teachable, those sites were just too expensive and I was already paying for my website. Yeah. And so I did, um. I did go with a higher plan for my website than, you know, I kind of started out on like, I don't know, I think it was like the $12 a month plan on Squarespace. Wix might be a little bit different, but 
I did increase that so that I could have more pages and I could also have like a subscription uh, yeah. listing. So I have that as well. Um, but yeah, I just make private pages with a passcode and I just send emails to whoever's joined my class. And when yeah. I get an order for someone who's joined my class, I just manually add them to that particular email yeah. sequence. And gotcha. so then they get that. That's yeah, really smart. A, a really <laughs> smart way to do it. That's super. And it's actually, it's really, when you think about the ingenuity needed behind that, that's actually a really good idea, Lauren. And I think about... I think about Teachable and I think about a lot of the, like, you know, we, we're both on YouTube too, but right. it's like, our, we're still growing our following versus someone who maybe has half a million people following them on YouTube and make, it may make, make sense for them to then, you know, funnel them into a Teachable class and that, you know, $30, $40 a month makes sense to them because, you know, they have such a huge funnel coming through already. Right. Um, but that's actually a really smart idea. That's kind of what I was thinking. I was like, but am I making more work for myself? But then does it level off in terms of the cost? Because you're right. It's like we're already paying for the website. And then having, it's also, I think it gives you more, um, what's the word, more like, it allows your brand to stand out more because you're not under some other company's umbrella, like Teachable. Right. I created like my own little um, workflow uh, like progress chart. And so I designed that my own so it doesn't look like all the teachable yeah. ones. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think if I, like I talked to my friend Heather last night who is a nurse practitioner. So she is someone who, for example, is not a designer. So I would say if she was going to make some kind of online course, um, I, sh I think her niche is kind of teaching people how to get their children or babies to sleep and just yeah. kind of pediatric care, things like that, that you wouldn't necessarily have time to discuss with the doctor yeah, or, yeah. you know something like that um so for her i think a, a site like teachable would make a lot of sense because it would just be like brain explosion you know yeah. trying to figure out um, yeah. some of that stuff but for designers yeah i mean i really think that just hosting it on your own website as long as you're able to create enough pages um I just give everyone who's joined the class, I manually add them to my email sequence and then they automatically get the emails that have the password to those pages. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I can design it with my own brand in mind, uh, which I think looks kind of cute. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think that's the best way to do it. And even when hopefully I do like grow my following, like you said, I think I would still host it on my own website just because I like the way it's branded. I like yeah. the way it looks. And, um, and you have control over it, too. You do. You have total control. And honestly, like, I don't know. I, I think it would be too much work to even move it over, you know, at this point. So yeah. it is kind of yeah. more work up front. But then once you do that work, you can literally, like, reuse the same kind of templates or graphics that you created for, like, another course. Yeah. Um, so like I have another course coming out this summer called Portfolio Surge and I just reused a lot of the same templates. I changed the colors and a few things, but I was really able, once I did the first course, uh, Textile Star is my first course and that's on an evergreen program. So literally anyone who buys yeah. it, anyone who signs up, they can just like go through the program, go through the material at their own pace. Um, portfolio yeah. Surge is a little bit different. I'm launching it starting June 1st. So that's going to be, because it's based on current trends. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we lo both love to do a lot of trend research. So um, so because I did so much trend research, it's based on the trends for 2020 and 2021. 
And so next year I'll kind of redo it because I want it to be upcoming trends yeah. for the next yeah. year. It plays so into that whole idea too of like work smarter, not harder. Like, yes, you put in a little bit more work at like the beginning and up front with it, but then right. you're able to recycle and re like reuse that. And I think that's like how we initially started talking about this because I'm like, how can I be smart about the content I create, like I'm using stuff on YouTube, but then I'm a professor and I'm like, how can I, because a lot of the stuff that I'm creating for classes, that's mine. I own, I own that information. Okay. That's me. So it's like, yeah. how can I recycle that and rebrand it and use it in a way that makes sense? Because I think too, the idea of control is a big part. Like you have control over your brand, over what you're, what you're putting on. And the big thing too is pay. Like you're, if you charge something, you get all of that. Whereas places like right. with Skillshare, we're only getting royalties or with Teachable, you know, they're still getting a percentage cut of those classes. So it's like, how do we get the best bang for our buck in terms of the effort, the time, the energy we put into these classes? Because I, I think about some of the courses, I can only imagine how long some of your classes take to make. Like, I can only do about one Skillshare class a month with my freelance load and the other stuff that I'm doing with my right. shop, right? Right. And that's because of the sheer amount of time that it takes to, you know, work out a script, to create the content for it, to film, to edit. Um, and that's a lot of work you put into it. And I'm starting slowly to see the pickup from Skillshare, which is really awesome and exciting. But at the same time, you're like, man, I put in a lot of work. <laughs> like, I know. It, it takes a while to, to like, see something. <laughs> so, and I feel, um, I feel like some artists, you know, post one or two classes to Skillshare and they're immediately successful, but they may have like a huge Instagram following or something yeah. like what yeah. you mentioned. Um, so yeah, I'm in the same boat. My goal was to publish uh, one class to Skillshare per month. And that seems somewhat attainable, but I yeah. haven't been able to totally stick to it. So um, a signature course like Textile Star took me about three to four months to create. Yeah. Um, and then there's the marketing on it as well. So I'm trying to kind of like block off part of the year for marketing for that course, even though it's on Evergreen and people can purchase it anytime. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if they if they watch a class, for example, or not a class, but a YouTube video, for example, and it's related to textile design, and then you know that's going to be evergreen and ongoing because it's a YouTube video. So like, yeah. if they see a YouTube video and they're like, oh, I, I want to be a textile designer they can literally go to my description or my uh, comment and, and sign up for Textile Star. So that's, you know, once you kind of, once the class is created, then I'm able to do a lot more marketing around it. So that was yeah. kind of also part of it was that I kind of had to pause my YouTube channel for a little bit, you know, and I, I wasn't yeah. able to do as many videos because I was creating this course. And so once the course was created, I was like, all right, what content can I create on YouTube that people will want to watch and then sign up for my course. So that, yeah. so again, that's kind of an evergreen type of thing. Yeah, it's a way to cross promote yourself across your own platforms. Um, and I think, I really think with that, especially because of the sheer amount of time, effort, and energy it takes to make those, it makes sense to put it on your website for you to own that, for you to market it out, for you to you know push it out based on what you're doing and on your timeline, and then reap the benefits of that because um, right. I feel like, like you said sometimes some of these artists will put up one video and 
they'll have like, you know, 15,000 people in their class, or maybe it's because there's some sort of, you know, collaboration going on with Skillshare because they do those like Skillshare originals and things like that. Um, but definitely for those of us who are growing, I think consistency is key, but within that, it's just there's a lot of effort and with often just not as much output in terms of what we see on return. Um, I want to say it took me since what October, November, December, January, February, March, April, like six months, <laughs> six months, now that I counted, of releasing a class every month to finally see something substantial in terms of, of a monthly payout with those royalties, which, I mean, I kind of had a feeling because, like, I'm, I'm small beans, you know, I'm not a big YouTuber, I don't have a huge following, I have a decent amount on this, on this channel because um, I ran a kids work line, like, three years ago and I got into, like, Vogue Italy and I saw a huge, like, surge of followers from that, yeah. um, but since the transition I'm like okay how do I really manage this but it's really interesting to see like how that stuff reflects onto you know how you grow your following in those classes with Skillshare or in your own following um, I think you do a fantastic job with your newsletter and like pushing it out there and doing it in a way that's like not overwhelming because that could be that's a big thing even with teachable I'm like oh my gosh why are you guys sending me so many emails I was just looking for information I'm so <laughs> Um, I know, but like, I know. That's a good way to go about promoting it and sharing it and trying to get people to find the benefit, especially with those evergreen classes, because look at what's going on now. We're all stuck at home. I, I teach online full time, technically, not just with Skillshare, but with a university. And I've been seeing this transition to online learning over the last six years. And it's really interesting to see how very, very like on time all of this is in terms of learning and how we have to adjust with learning. I know it's so crazy with uh, like COVID-19 and everything that people are now having to learn online and I was kind of seeing that trend as well anyway and I'm not really a teacher traditionally like you are um, but uh, we have some people in the comments too who kind of asked what this chat was about so I'm just gonna fill everyone in for who, who just joined. So we're talking about um, teaching online in terms of Skillshare classes or hosting your own course and whether or not you should kind of sign up with a site like Teachable or Thinkific or if you should host your signature course more on your own website. So I was kind of talking with Jen about how I host my own course on my own website um, and I just do it with password protected pages and an email list. And so that's an easy way to do it if you're on a site like Squarespace, especially if you're a designer and you can kind of create your own graphics and your own kind of sequence and things like that. Um, someone asked, will you be talking about Textile Star? Uh, sure, what do you want to know about Textile Star? <laughs> it's a Textile Star is my signature course that I host on my own website and it's um, evergreen you can sign up at any time and it's basically teaching you how to become a textile designer for a company so it teaches you how to um, do your trend research it teaches you about fibers it teaches you about textile constructions like different fabric weaves um, or you know loomed products things like that um, and it also teaches you kind of how to start your own portfolio project although I want you in textile start I want you to kind of do your own trend research and create your own project in the portfolio section. So I kind of walk you through how to set that up and create a schedule for yourself and also interview tips, what an, what an art director would expect from you in an interview. So if you're interested in becoming a textile designer, you should definitely go check it out. It's um, on my website under classes. So 
Someone asked a really good question, Lauren. What What's the difference between like us hosting our own classes on our websites versus Skillshare? I think the biggest difference in terms of being a teacher is we're part of a revenue share versus getting all of that revenue, you know, that based on what we're selling our classes for. Are there any other things that you can think of as well? Yeah, so I think we could talk about some of the pros and cons of hosting a class on Skillshare versus having your own signature course. Okay, so I think some of the pros of Skillshare is that they already have a customer base that's on their website and they have that platform. So that's kind of what they've set up this website. They have um, people coming to Skillshare to learn a lot of especially creative things. And so, you know, they're getting part of the revenue for providing the platform. Um, however, with Skillshare, you still kind of have to promote and market your own classes. So it's not like they have so many people on the site, like on maybe on YouTube or, you know, searching Google or something like that. So you do still have to do some of your own promotion and marketing. I would say another pro of Skillshare is that it is a smaller class. So it's going to be about 30 minutes to an hour of a class. And so it's easier to create something like that in a smaller amount of time. So for example, you were saying to do one Skillshare class per month, like that is something that is and should, you know, as long as you don't have a million other things on your plate. Um, but even if you're still working a regular job, you could, if that was your one focus, you could probably do one Skillshare class per month. Now a signature course uh, like Textile Star that I host on my own website, you are going to make more money with it, but you don't have a platform. So it's going to be kind of based on your own following online, whether that's on YouTube, whether it's your email list, whether it's, you know, how often your website is being found in search on Google or social media, social media. Yeah, exactly. Instagram, all the things. And so you could create this signature course that's like four to $500, but if you're not getting any traffic, then no one's going to know about it and no one's going to buy it. So you do have to kind of have that online following for it to make sense for you to host your own signature course on your website. Also, I would say a signature course is going to be a lot longer to create. It's going to be, you know, maybe like 10 hours of work versus, you know, a video, of actual video or class versus like 30 minutes to an hour for a Skillshare class. That's how I see it. Is there anything else you want to add, Jen? Um, I think in terms of similarities, I feel like they're both kind of module based. Um, at least when I'm building a class, I try to, I, I, I think in terms of like what I teach at the college. So it's like, I have to find a balance between the creative side and then like there's the academic. Um, but I think teaching in modules makes it easier and they kind of do that in Skillshare so that it's like bite size for each video. Um, I agree that it's it's definitely when you're working on those signature courses and I've kind of almost like I feel like a couple of my Skillshare courses would be considered um, signature courses because they're so lengthy okay. um, it, and ironically they end up being the ones that have them like more people visiting them than the shorter ones which I, I would think it would be flip-flopped mm-hmm. um, I also think that with Skillshare it, it can be very niche right like when people are coming on there they're coming on there often for very specific things so the more niche my class is um, it, it, I notice it tends to cater like when people are looking at Skillshare for digital planning or how to use a Cricut machine like they're very specific 
Um, so find Do those perform better for you than the more general yeah. ones? Yeah, okay. surprisingly, yes. Like, because I did like a trend, a three-tier trend forecasting course there where I had a level one, a level two, and a level three. Mm -hmm. um, and those do okay, but they're not doing as well as the very like specific, like how to build digital stickers and affinity designer is doing. <laughs> it's really interesting, right? Yeah. Um, so I feel like with like the, those Skillshare, it, it can be very niche. So it's like, if you want to broaden, it just, I don't know. And maybe it just depends on the kind of people that I'm promoting. Cause I do a lot of self promotion based on groups that I'm a part of on Facebook and social media mm -hmm. um, and using those tags. So um, I'm trying to think what else would I say is like, I do think though the pros, like if you can become like a notice teacher on Skillshare, like whether or not they highlight you as like a, I forget what the badge is called, like a top teacher or something like that, yeah. then yeah. that can be really, really beneficial. Um, because it's like you're getting their stamp of approval, um, yeah. but I don't know how often they do that, and I don't, like, it's very, you know, some of that kind of stuff, especially within the social media world with these kinds of platforms, are very kind of, like, secretive. You don't really know how to do that, and I think it depends on the platform, whereas on your own, it's like, if you can showcase that you have the skill set, you have the experience, um, then it's like, you already, you have that for yourself. People are coming to your website because they know you're knowledgeable, on these things and then they can say hey oh there's a class i'm interested in learning this why don't i just take the class that's offered here but i do think skillshare kind of offers that like that stamp of approval you're on skillshare that means you're you know you're doing you know this thing that you're doing that you're trying to teach about right if, if you can become a top teacher on skillshare then they're doing a lot of the promotion for you yeah whereas if you're a beginner like me like me i'm doing all my own <laughs> yeah kind of marketing yes. for my skillshare classes but yeah. once you get up to that point yeah they're sending it out to their email list yeah. um which is probably hundreds of thousands of people who knows yeah um and yeah, I mean that, in, and also probably if you're on the homepage of Skillshare, then that's going to be huge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, I don't know, like the revenue share model, um, I think it's interesting to see the difference because I don't know if it's changed over the years, but I feel like it might have, um, at least within the last like two or three years. Um, but it's interesting to see now, like, the difference between, like, premium minutes watched versus, like, regular minutes watched. I'm yeah. not exactly sure on that kind of stuff, but that makes a big difference in terms of, like, how the teachers end up getting paid, too. Right. And they can be, um, like, we talked about this over email, but they can be kind of harsh on <laughs> on uh, giving you strikes as a teacher uh, if you mention your Instagram pages or things like that. Yes. Um, I know a couple of times, like, I think the first video I uploaded, the volume wasn't high enough. Um, and so they gave me a strike and I was like, wait, what? Like, yeah, what did I do yeah. wrong? You know, and I don't know why the volume was low on that one. Um, maybe my equipment just wasn't good enough. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, but with the free content, like you said, I don't know if they're as strict with the free content. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it's free. So I, I do wonder if you could kind of double up a lot of YouTube videos um, and publish it on Skillshare as free content just so yeah. that people can find you. Exactly. Um, that And that's exactly what I was thinking when I was emailing because like, I wasn't quite sure. Like, I read a lot through, like, one of the good things that I will say about Skillshare is 
they offer those teach like when you um, the 30 day teach workshops. So if you're first starting, you're first interested in like launching a class, there's a, a workshop you can be a part of. Um, that's how I released my first class. I did this workshop way back in July of last year. Um, I mean, I know how to build classes already. I've done that for the online space, but I wanted to see, like, how did they do it? and What are their expectations? Mm -hmm. um, and I went through all of that training, and I got my video launch. But even when I'm emailing, it was like, I didn't know about the strikes and all that stuff. So I'm like, thank goodness I didn't <laughs> do that um, without realizing, like, okay, this is what the requirements are. And um, so, it can be yeah. really subjective. I think it really depends on, like, who is reviewing your video before they publish it. Um, because I think some people are, you know, I'm like, oh, well, I've done that on another video. And, like, there was no issue. It was published and approved yeah. fine. And then... Um, yeah, on another video where I mentioned my Instagram and stuff, or I just had the link in the bottom of the yeah. screen, yeah. and um, I got a strike. Yeah, and so I was like, "Oh God!" Like, I'm almost, I'm almost like, <laughs> like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. I know. <laughs> and it's hard but to yeah, remember. That's you know, to know, you're doing so yeah. many different things. It's like hard yeah. to remember all the rules, but yeah. um, I guess I need to be more careful about Skillshare. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, and I'm glad I asked you because I was like, I'm going to reach out to Lauren. She is so knowledgeable on this. She's been on Skillshare longer than I have. I just want to, like, pick her brain on this. <laughs> like, how does this work? Because I do, and I do see, and like you said, it, it, sometimes it can be subjective because I've seen big teachers have, like, a, like a full class maybe they released it by video on YouTube but it's like their full premium class unless they changed it to a free class later down the line um, so I, I do think it is a little subjective but it's interesting I mean there's yeah. a lot of good to it but there's also you know there's things that you have to weigh out to ensure that it makes sense to be the platform for you but I think your idea of just using password protected you know pages on your site so smart so smart. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's worked really well for me. And I mean, the only the only issue I can foresee is that if for some reason there was just like a surge of students signing up, I would have to manually add them to my email sequence and that could potentially take all day. Um, <laughs> so I don't have a good way to automate that yet. Yeah. But, yeah. As of right now, it's just, you know, it's not anything that I can't manage, so. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's a smart idea. I also, I know we were talking about cross-promotion. I feel like that kind of makes sense. It flows um, as we're talking about, like, cross-promoting our classes via our social media. Um, and, like, what you were talking about earlier um, on the video, like, diversifying. Like, that's the big thing I'm noticing that as creatives we have to do, especially creatives who maybe sell a product that, you know, we I don't know about, you know, where everyone else is, but, you know, shipping is taking longer in certain areas, and it's like, I'm not seeing as many people buying products, especially like the stationary products, but I am seeing a surge in digital downloads, like digital products, and of course the classes, because people are at home and bored, so it makes sense to like, let's take a class. Um, so that's what I was talking to you about. Like I've been creating these fun, like I use these templates for my own social media when I'm sharing like new product releases or new classes. And I was like, why not create like a, a social media, like Insta story pack that I can sell on creative market. I know you're on creative market too. Um, but I was thinking like, what's another fun way to promote that? And I keep seeing these, this or that. Like, Insta stories, oh, yeah. if you Those can circle, and, like, people are having a blast with that. And I was like, 
oh, I could take some of my templates and like reuse that for that. I think that's a cool idea because you can showcase like your creative ability, but it's something that can possibly go like viral if enough people like it. Um, so I think it's really interesting to see things like that going on and finding ways to diversify what you're doing and ways to like, that's a really creative way to market like things right. too. Right, yeah. I um, I sell a lot of clip art on creative market and I created my own kind of templates for Instagram stories and things like that. And I love using them and I put it on my own website um, to sell, but I, but I actually haven't had any sales for my own website. So I wonder if I put it on creative market, if it would sell. I think um, that this or that, that's like a great, It's it, that seems like a good lead into yeah. like buying the whole package. So is yeah. that what you're kind of thinking? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And even, um, I was, I was noticing too, I'm like, I need to learn how to do this. I haven't figured it out yet, but um, you know how like you can take those tests where it's like it does the, the BR stuff and like it'll change and it'll tell you what the answer is or something like oh, yeah. Um, yeah. you, we can create those. I just oh have to God. figure out how, yes, they're like, I, I follow another stationary designer. Um, I think it's like keep. K.E. Pock Studio. She's based in California, and she did this super cute, like, one showcasing her washi tapes that she designed. Like, which washi are you out of her her range? And then you like you do the button, and then boop, it pops up like this washi. And if you want to buy it, like, obviously you can go visit her site. But I was like, that's such a super cute way to look at using like the stuff that we think is just like eh, mundane, goofy things but a really smart way to promote like what you're creating and what you're making. I think you did like your, um, the workout ones. I can totally see you also doing something for nurses too, because you know, even though like, obviously we don't want to make light of such a serious issue, but like finding ways to like, like release the tension and the stress creatively or, you know, people like using that kind of stuff, especially if they're first responders. My sister-in-law is a nurse. She's like, I don't care, Jenny, make me masks. And I'm going to tell my nurses, you know, at the at the hospital that we can get, get you know, get some for them. Um, but like finding a way to like creatively use your hands and use your creativity during like just feeling like we're shut in. So I think it's such a cool, like, especially like the workout ones that you made. Those are super cute. Those are cute. Oh, thanks. <laughs> see nurses. That's what I was saying. I can see nurses coming. <laughs> Yeah, I have some nurse clip art, um, and I think I need to revise them because I want to add masks for those. Um, some people have been downloading them probably just to use for, you know, certain things related to COVID-19, but um, but they don't have masks with them. So that would probably be helpful for whoever's downloading them. So I need to update those. But yeah, um, anything else related to courses or kind of marketing uh, as an artist or different diversifying your income streams? I, I, yeah, I do think that's a big thing that we like, I think that a lot of us need to look at in terms of growth. Um, Cause like you said, you do licensing. I do a lot of freelance. I'm trying to branch out more into licensing my own products, but finding ways to kind of diversify, but, reuse the things that you're already making and find new uses out of them I think is really helpful to um for a lot of creatives who are you know who are starting to really focus on pushing through and I think like for me personally I love the freelance aspect of it but I also like being able to do my own classes or create my own products um so I definitely think finding ways to focus on that as a creative is really important too um so they don't feel so reliant on someone else especially nowadays when 
brand deals are kind of dropping off the map right now because people are pushing back on marketing. I have a lot of creative friends who work in the corporate industry still doing creative marketing or copywriting and things like that and people are getting furloughed and it's like how can we manage to also find a way to support ourselves without feeling like we have to rely solely on these outside sources of income. Yeah. So I thought of another pro to Skillshare, which is that, um, I mean, I think a lot of artists, if you are going to teach, like, it's good to t kind of do both, um, Skillshare and your own signature course, but Skillshare is such an easy, um, there's such an easy barrier to entry for yeah. customers, because when you sign up, you do get two months free. Um, and so if anyone here is not on Skillshare by chance, you probably all are, but I do have a link in my, um, link in bio if you do want to sign up for Skillshare and get two months free. Um, and for any Skillshare teachers, you should add that to your link in bio because, um, you get referral fees for everyone who signs up through your link. Um, yeah. and so like bonuses, like sign yeah. up bonuses, How, what's like $10 usually, but I think for this month for just to help out the teachers, um, I think they're doing like, I don't know if it's 10, 15, 15. or is it, yeah, I think it's 15 now. Like they bumped it up for us just as another way. And another pro too is they're consistent with paying you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it's every month. Yes. Yep. Totally. I do wish it was on the first though, because I get paid, right. I think every, six, every 16th yep, of each month. Too. I'm like, yep. <laughs> Oh, is that for everyone? Or is it like when you so. sign up? Yeah, I get paid on the 16th oh. too every month That's from them. That's odd. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I think my in like my corporate days, we'd often get paid on the 15th and the 30th. So, I don't know if it's like they follow along those kind of lines. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, it's it's okay. consistent. Though. So, I'm like, I give them that. That's that's one of the really good benefits. And but like your I analytics said, aren't from the 16th to the 16th. It's like mm -hmm. this is all of February and I'm like, okay, wait, like I have to... The premium versus regular minutes, I don't know, but it's interesting <laughs> definitely to see it grow and it's really exciting. Like, like you said, it's an easy barrier, like it's an easy place to get started if you want to start and definitely using those workshops, um, the teach workshops, like the 30 day, like you'll have 30 days to launch. Um, is really, really, like, a really beneficial tool, especially for anyone who's never, like, created a class or built out, you know, used videos. They have all kinds of little, you know, classes to go along with it that teach you how to write a script, that teach you how to film, that teach you about audio and the importance of it and things like that. So that's definitely why I think it's a great place to start. But it's interesting to see now as we're growing, like, hmm, what else... What else can I do outside, especially for those bigger classes that, like, take so much time? You know, that idea that you shared, I think, is absolutely ingenious. That will <laughs> likely be using it, Lauren. <laughs> I just, uh, I like to MacGyver things, so. <laughs> I like, that's my kind of style. <laughs> okay, so let's go over a little recap of everything we learned today. So for Skillshare, the pros are that it has a built-in membership and community of customers so that you don't have to go searching for students to take your class. It's already built into Skillshare's platform. Number two is that it is a smaller one-off class, which requires less time and energy from you to create it. 
Number three is that niche topics tend to work to your advantage on Skillshare. Number four is that they boost top teachers. So if you can become a top teacher, then that is going to exponentially increase your revenue. Um, number five is that you can actually repurpose your YouTube videos as free classes, kind of to get found within the Skillshare community. And number six is that they provide uh, really awesome workshops for new teachers so that they help you a lot um, in terms of how to be successful on their platform. Uh, number seven is there is a low barrier to entry and it's a low cost for students. So people are more likely to watch your class on Skillshare when it's a very low cost and it's actually free for them to join for the first two months. Number eight is that teachers receive extra money for referrals. So that's another great pro of Skillshare. So some, what are the cons of Skillshare? So Skillshare, um, you still kind of have to do your own marketing, especially if you don't have a large online following. So while Skillshare does have a built-in community and built-in members, um, if you are especially competing with a lot of other classes, you're gonna have to do a lot of your own marketing if you want to get found on Skillshare. So number two is that new teachers kind of are competing against top teachers. So especially, like I said, if you are creating a class that Skillshare already has several classes on this topic, then you're gonna be competing against some of their top teachers to get found. Number three is that Skillshare will suggest other teachers' classes even if a student came to the platform to watch your class. So let's say someone is watching your YouTube video or watching your Instagram stories and they head over to Skillshare and search for pattern design because you were talking about pattern design. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean they're gonna end up watching your class. They could end up watching another class that's being suggested by Skillshare. So number four is that they have a revenue share uh, kind of system, which means you only get 30% to sometimes 50% of the total revenue for your classes. So you are sharing a lot of the revenue for your work. Um, and then number five is that they just have really strict rules. And once you receive three strikes, you can get kicked off the platform as a teacher, which makes you feel like your work has just totally gone down the drain. And the rules can be very subjective. It kind of depends on who is reviewing your class to be approved. And sometimes it can seem a bit harsh towards new teachers, especially when they don't know what they did wrong. So what are some of the pros of having a signature course? So of course, as a signature course, you earn more money and you keep somewhat 100% of the revenue for your classes. Now I have a little squiggly there because if you are hosting it on your own website, of course you have to pay for that website such as Squarespace or Wix, um, but you can get really low cost for that. It just depends on the plan that you have. Or if you um, decide to go with a site like Teachable, then they do take part of the revenue for that. It really just depends on the plan that you go with, but um, you are going to end up earning more in general for your signature course, whether it's on your own website or on a site like Teachable. Number two is that you totally control your own content, including the look and style. So again, this is going to be more focused on having something on your own website where you're creating the own, your own graphics for your course. So that's another pro to having your own signature course. And of course, within your slides on a site like Teachable, you can use your own style. Um, however, the kind of way Teachable or Thinkific is set up is going to be one template and you are going to 
be kind of using that. Okay, so number three is that students are not tempted to watch other classes. It's your offer only, and this is going to apply whether it's on your website or on a site like Teachable. So once a student kind of logs into your class, they're not gonna see any other classes except for your offer. So this is a very good way to just kind of focus the people and not tempt them with other teachers' classes. And number four is that you don't have to abide by anyone else's guidelines but your own, especially if you are hosting it on your own website. You can literally do whatever you want when it's on your own website, which is what I do. That's what I prefer. <laughs> so some of the cons of having your own signature course, um, especially whether it's on your own website or if it's on a site like Teachable, it doesn't matter. You will still have to do 100% of your own marketing. A site like Teachable or Thinkific is not going to promote your course for you. Um, so you're going to have to have an online following if you are promoting it online. You're going to have to um, maybe run Facebook ads or other online ads if you don't have an online following. And really the highest converting form of marketing online is via your email list. So if you have a sizable email list, you're going to be more successful with hosting your own signature course on your own website or on a site like Teachable. If you don't have a sizable email list, you may be better off using a platform like Skillshare to start out. So number two is that a signature course does require 10 times more time and energy to create. And of course, that's sort of a figurative number. It depends on how long your, your signature course is going to be. But um, in general, it is going to require a lot more time and energy. For example, it is, it's uh, attainable to create one Skillshare class per month. However, that would be almost impossible to create your own signature course per month, especially if you are doing other kinds of design work or freelance work um, as well. So for me, creating my own signature co course took about three to four months. Now, what are some of the things about Teachable and Thinkific specifically? And that's that I would recommend for you to host your own signature course on a site like Teachable or Thinkific if you are A, not a designer, because it's just going to be probably too hard to create it on your own website if you're um, if you're not a designer, but you could if you wanted to maybe hire a designer. Uh, B is that if you have a huge online following and a huge email list, um, and when I say huge, I mean at least 10,000 people or more, then that is going to probably save you a lot of time and a site like Teachable is going to be more automated. Um, so if you had thousands of people signing up for your course, for example, it's probably better to go with a site like Teachable. <laughs> but if you don't have a huge following um, online and you're able to kind of add people to your course manually when you get a sale, then um, I would recommend to otherwise host your course on your own website because it is going to A, save you money, and B, you can create your own look or style. Um, but it is more manual and it costs less. So that's kind of the pros and cons is that Teachable is more automated and saves time, but your own website is more manual and it costs less. Design Tribe, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it and got lots and lots of value out of it. 
And if you did, it would mean literally the world to me if you would head over to iTunes or Spotify and like this podcast, subscribe to the podcast. And if you have just a few extra minutes, leave me a review. It would just literally like make my day and make my world (laughs) during uh, this global pandemic uh, where everything is a little sad. So anyway... Um, I hope that you love this episode, and if you haven't already joined the Design Tribe Facebook group, go ahead and head over to facebook.com slash groups slash design tribe, Lauren Leslie, and Leslie is spelled with an E-Y. Um, otherwise, guys, I will see you over on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, and I'll see you in the Design Tribe. Thanks, guys. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.